We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode. The the penultimate regular season episode, or I guess maybe the last regular season episode, depending on you want to talk about when we record it versus when we air it. Um, I'm already getting off the rails. Um, Jeremy Cohen, of course, my my co-host is here with me. What is this the penultimate regular season episode or will is this the last regular season episode? No, it should be the penultimate because we're recording after next week's game, which is we're the recording Celtics, which is after, the season finale. Yes, we're recording, but they will not hear that. The, the The listeners will not hear that until after the regular season has ended. That's true. So it's the penultimate episode, but it is the ultimate mid-season episode. <laughs> Regular season wise, this is this is all exciting stuff. This is what the people come <laughs> this for. This is what right? the people come for uh, to hear our nonsensical banter about nothing. Um, <laughs> goodness gracious! So, um, first and foremost, uh, happy Mother's Day to uh, everybody out there. Before we get to talk about the Knicks, um, for anybody watching on the YouTube, I am, uh, as you could probably tell, not in my usual confines because I am uh, visiting my mom uh, in in the city, uh, and we are. The other thing we should say. Is we are recording this on uh, what is it? Uh, a little bit after noon on Saturday, um, because we we are Jeremy and myself, not Andrew so much, Mm-mm. mostly just Jeremy and me. It, yes, are are good sons, and we we want to um, spend a Mother's Day with with uh, you know give give the appropriate amount of time. I also have a wife who is actually uh, breastfeeding not eight feet from me right now. Um, fun fact for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> As, what are you scratching our daughter's head? I can't even tell what. 
something's going on there. Um, so it's, obviously we, we have uh, obligations and, and things that we, we want to do on Mother's Day. So we're going to we're the, this will not be reflective of the Clippers outcome, um, I guess is the short way to say it. Um, any any reflections on Mother's Day from you, Jeremy, before we get to the next? Uh, big fan of mothers. Mothers are great. <laughs> yes. I love my own. I uh, She is my family's rock and excited for her to have a big day. Uh, you know, also grandmothers out there too. I yeah. unfortunately, I no longer have grandmothers. Um, but and Me neither. But yeah, you know, I mean, gotta love mothers. Gotta love moms. Um, and this was a mother of a week for the Knicks. <laughs> they don't, Damn it, John. That's why they pay me the big bucks, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> my wife's laughing at me. Um, so quick week in review. Um, so the Knicks played four games this week, um, and it'll be five at the time that you are uh, listening to this. I believe, actually, I should probably, are we really, I, we're, this is live, uh, live podcasting, folks. Are we releasing this episode before tomorrow? I, I'm not even sure. I thought that's what Andrew said, but um, hey, you know what? Yeah. We're, it, it, we'll just roll with it. Yeah. Uh, the Knicks have played in the four games since the last time we spoke to you as of when we are talking to you right now. Um, uh, they obviously dis- dismantled the Rockets. Um, they uh, won what ended up being fairly convincingly against the Grizzlies, although that game was was a lot closer than the final score would indicate. Um, and then they had two, two not so um, fun uh, outings uh, against the Denver Nuggets and against the the Phoenix Suns. Um, I'll just start here. If for me, again hindsight's twenty twenty. If someone had told me um, when we were recording last week's show that the Knicks were going to smoke the Rockets, win comfortably against the Grizzlies, and play six quarters of really solid basketball, like really solid basketball against the two teams that they played. Um, I would have said like, and they would have gone two and two. I would have been like, I can't see a scenario where I'm going to be upset with that. Um, so sitting here today, again, not knowing what's going to happen with the Clippers, but like, again, I think we've come far enough this season that as long as they show up against the Clippers and play with requisite effort and, you know, and show up, we'll, we'll probably be fine with that. Although we get into, we'll get into the playoff scenario stuff in a little bit. Um, how would you have felt if, if someone had told you that a week ago? You mean the team that was expected to be in the basement is figuring out ways to go on the road and at least play some sense of competitive basketball. And by the way, they're still in fourth place in the East. Yep. Yeah, I would be very okay with that. Uh, this wow, season, that was a lot of snark. That uh, was, was true. It, that was actually, that's like top five snark from this season from you, which is saying something. Cause it's, well, they fortunately haven't had many reasons to be snarky. Um, this, is, this is true. You know, again, like this is a good team. It's a good Knicks basketball team that has, so much room for improvement and that's not a knock against them. That's just simply the way that they are operating. It's on full cylinders for what they can do, but this is why there's such a difference between the bad teams, the okay teams and the great teams. The, the gap between the great teams and the okay teams is vast. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing it like we've seen the Knicks play against these kind of like upper echelon teams and win games, right? Uh, they won two against the Bucks, although one was with a lot of players sitting. And the first one was, you know, at the very beginning of the season when things just aren't as cohesive, right? I mean, uh, when you outshoot a team from three, like 48% to like 6%, or whatever the hell that discrepancy right. was, like, yeah, that's going to happen. Right. Uh, the Utah game, that was an exciting comeback win, a win nonetheless. But, you know, march into Utah and it's kind of a bloodbath. Um, Denver, both games are tough. 
we saw the Clippers game. They came close, but it wasn't it. The Lakers, Argu- they were- arguably their best played, most well played game of the year. I think that Clippers game. Yeah, and and end to end, it was pretty sound. And they couldn't. I mean, they lost by fifteen. You know, so right. I mean, yeah. what we're talking about here is that the Knicks do not have a second All Star. That's the reality of it, and that's just true. <laughs> and they'll they'll get there eventually. I believe that by free agency or by trade, hopefully even by draft, if RJ Barrett continues to yep. come along, um, I think we can look at an opportunity where things just grow massively. But right now, the, the Knicks are just an all star short of hanging with these teams, and that's totally okay. Can I ask you a quick question? Um, is it fair to say, I'm not saying the Suns would have the Knicks record if they didn't have Chris Paul, but just on talent alone, is it fair to say that if you took Chris Paul off the Suns, the Knicks and Suns would be about equally talented all the way down the roster? Around there. I think that the Suns are kind of like still a year ahead of the, where the Knicks would have been. Like, And you could say, well, look at the Suns last year and they weren't good. But right, and I, I completely understand that. But it's the sort of thing where the Suns, I feel like, also have older players and the Knicks don't. Right. Like, yeah, you can talk about Obi for sure. But yeah. the Suns have typically also drafted a lot of the um, the kind of like their best supporting players like Mikel Bridges, who is developing into a star. Cam Johnson, who's surprising a lot of people. Like, those are older players uh, when they were drafted. And yep. I think Obi for sure. But also Obi's a late bloomer. Different. And then, we've talked about this before. Right. Different, different animal. And quickly, I mean, he's 21 years old and he's showing great signs. But the fact is that he's still on the younger side. You need time to get to like you know, 26, 27, when that's usually around where you hit your prime. So that's why I think that the Suns are a little bit further along without Chris Paul. Sure. But, you know, again, I don't think they're without Chris Paul, they're that different in terms of record, right? In fact, if anything, based on what we saw last year, you could then say, well, maybe it's the opposite. So yeah, if adding one of the best floor generals of all time to your team makes you the second best team in the East right now, then that could, that would have done awesome things for the Knicks. Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing against that. Obviously. No, no, I'm, I'm not arguing. We've had the Chris, what would the Knicks be with Chris Paul? And would that have been for the best or not this season? We, we've talked about that before. I'm just talking about theoretically, like just if given that Chris Paul is ostensibly an MVP candidate is going to make an all NBA team. And we've played two games against that team. One, it was a one possession game with under a minute left. And, um, as we're recording this last night, um, they had a seven point lead with under a minute to go in the third quarter on the, on the road against that team. I, I think, in, and if you look at the rest of the roster and it's like, all right, Devin Booker, Julius Randall, no, you know, more somewhat even RJ Barrett, Mikael Bridges. I know we're, we have much higher hopes for RJ Barrett in the future, but this season, just talking about their impact on the court this season, I would say that those two guys are at least comparable. Um, and then you go down the list, like what is Aiton's impact versus what Quickly's impact is? What is Jay Crowder's impact versus what you know, Alec Burks or, or Reggie Bullock? And it's like, that's what I, that's what I was kind of angling at. Um, so I think it's really respectable that the Knicks went in there and did what they did. Um, also, we should note if someone had told us again last week, what was going to happen. And then by the way, they would have said Quickly and Burks were going to miss um, the Suns game and they would have that lead down. This, like Again, we would have signed for it. One of the huge differences also between the Suns and the Knicks yeah. is that the Suns capitalized on the 2018 draft and the Knicks didn't. Yeah. That's a huge thing. I mean, if, if Kevin it's Knox nice. is not Kevin Knox, or if the Knicks pick any player really in that range other than Kevin Knox, except for Jerome Robinson, uh, even if they pick Mikael Bridges, then the Suns... You mean, you mean, the, you mean sorry, Miles Bridges? No, I'm saying, well, Mikael went to 
Phoenix. No, I'm saying they could have taken McCaffrey. Bridges. Yes. They could have taken Miles Bridges, and then obviously the SGA, guy who's yes. putting up 25 a game. Um, right. Oh, and and SG. <laughs> right. So there's there's a lot of players who fuck the pooch. Oh god. Yeah, not great. But that's the thing. If the Knicks get. <sighs> Any of those players, then we're looking at a very different conversation here. Um, I mean, obviously, you could then say, well, how does that affect 2019 with RJ and everything else? And who knows what the leadership position is? I'm at peace with it. That's that's fine. But that's I think what it comes down to is that the Suns, no. they, they drafted Josh Jackson, who yeah. is a worse player than Frankie Lakina, and they've been able to be just fine. They draft Dragon Bender. I mean, they have had so many. Misses. Alex Lynn. Right. We've seen the Knicks have those types of misses. Um, And speaking of Frank, I I want to talk quickly about the game in terms of one thing in terms of defense. Please. Um, So, I mean, I was I was just curious in terms of the matchup numbers that came from last night, because, you know, I mean, defense seemed to be a huge problem uh, across the board. But Chris Paul, you know, MVP candidate who's not going to put up astounding numbers, but it's the sort of thing where he's able to lead his team. So um, in terms of Chris Paul being defended, he was defended by Frank Nilakina for a minute and 39 seconds. Okay. You know how many points the Suns scored as a whole when Frank Nilakina was guarding Chris Paul specifically? How many? Four. Four okay. points. Now, of course, Nilakina gave the Knicks nothing really on offense except maybe beautiful yeah, bounce pass. You said it was a minute. Hold on. It's you a said minute it. and 39 seconds, you know, when, when combined with all the opportunities, you know, because players switch and everything. But I'm saying that. That's that's not a. It sounds like a short period of time. Yeah. It really isn't because here's the other factor: Derrick Rose guarded Chris Paul one on one for a minute and forty seven seconds. Okay. And the Suns scored twenty one points when that matchup was occurring. But the thing is, Rose was scoring. So Wait you take the good with the bad. You're gonna have to uh, pretend I'm an idiot. Okay. A minute and forty something seconds. Uh, twenty one. That's not possible. It is. It's team points. So. Like yeah, pass, but for, like for only for only like you can't how many it takes like like uh I don't know five, six, seven, eight possessions to score over 20 points. Right. Those, I'm saying it's it's when it's one on one. There's there could be a lot of switching, pick and roll, whatever it might be. The whole point right. is I, that I think when I'm, they're I'm getting up, hung up on the on the how they're doing the math, but all right. So basically Frank Nilakina did a much better job on Chris Paul than Derek Rose. Yes. Right. But then it gets even crazier because while, you know, while Alfred Payton spent less time on guarding Chris Paul than, or excuse me, more time than Chris, than oh, I can't speak. Alfred Payton defended Chris Paul for a longer period of time than Derek Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, so for point per minute, because he let up uh, 23 team points, he actually did a better job defending Chris Paul than Rose did, but he had nothing going on offense. And I think one of the big things from last night, and also I should add out that Peyton and Noel were just abysmal in terms of guarding the pick and roll. Just yes. Gas. Could, every single could time. not be worse. Right. So I think one of the frustrating things about last night, and it kind of comes to a head in terms of how do the Knicks upgrade at their point guard position eventually, because Rose isn't going to start and he's not going to log more than maybe like, 28, 30 minutes a game, unless it's playoff time um, is solving that position because there really was no perfect option. And, um, you know, Bullock was getting torched by Booker again and RJ was getting torched by Mikhail Bridges again. So, you know, like Burks would have done a a nice job. And I think that's where things really hurt with him. I guess the whole point being, it's like, you know, I am, I am very upset at how everything was at the point guard position, at least defensively, but 
there, there really wasn't a happy medium that could have been solved. And as you said, with the third quarter, it just seemed like with that last minute of play or even the last 15 seconds, um, it just, that was when the game slipped away and the better team pulled ahead. And I think that's what bothered me the most. It wasn't the the competitive quarters. It wasn't the, the losing. It was really just the fact that it was there yeah. and the Knicks were just deflated, it seemed, from their morale. And then it just went haywire I, from there. I think a lot went into it. I think how the third quarter ended in terms of RJ with that turnovers. And and I'm not going to put it on RJ. It was a, it was a brain fart. Um, but even the minute before that, giving up the points that they did, um, you know, it, it it did seep into the fourth and whatnot. Um, to me, the more like the, the Frank thing is interesting because I, I you know, I said it on the post game and I, I kind of referenced it because some I got some pushback on Twitter today. I was just I was I was a little frustrated and I said, like, look, I'm done. I'm done with the Frank conversation, meaning I not that I'm like out on him as a player or in terms of like what he could bring. And I still think he could help a, a team in the right situation, playing 10, 15, 20 minutes a night on the right team. And I think that could be this team, depending on what they do with moves in the, in the future. But just like for those of us who have, who have been just wanting him to get an opportunity, jumping up and down and for him to get an opportunity, he got an opportunity last night against the Suns. And it's just, I guess because they've reached this new level offensively over the last month and a half, roughly a little bit less. Um, it was more stark than ever how much of a drop off you get on offense when he's in there. Cause he's just, if he's not hitting shots and again, it was only two shots last night or against the Suns, and he didn't hit them. I'm not, I mean, look, one of those shots goes down. Maybe is it a different conversation, but it's just, he doesn't give this team, this team, this particular team, he doesn't give them enough on offense, I think, to justify the what he brings on the defensive end. And that's not to say that I wouldn't still rather see him than Alfred Payton. I think all of us would rather see him than Alfred Payton. Um, but where I'm at is like, I'm thinking about the idealized version of this team in the playoffs. To me, it's a nine-man rotation. And Frank's not in it, and Alfred Payton's not in it. They're both not in it. And you have guys out there who, because we've seen this team, obviously, been able to defend at a top-five level um, um, with those other guys. Alfred Payton, the numbers indicate, and I would argue the eye test backs it up, um, is one of their worst defensive players. So, you know, like we don't – and obviously on offense, he's what he is – um, and I don't think they, you know, I don't think they need Frank right now for for his defense, unless you're comparing it to to Elf. Um, I understand the Rose numbers, but at the same time, they need Rose on offense. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I'm not sure this team as currently constructed is some is such that I'm going to sit here and, and, and continue to argue like Frank Nilekina needs minutes. I just can't. I don't have it in me. Maybe you can. I Oh, it's harder to do, especially when you're seeing a team that's this good defensively without him. Like yeah. that's the other thing. It was so before it was like, well, the Knicks could use Frank because their defense could use the work. And now it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he helps, but then what are you losing on the offense? Because if you can find a way to actually replace him schematically on defense, yeah. but but you're playing four on five offensively, but you're still doing that with Alfred Payton. So you could talk in circles about yeah. why none of these options maybe are good long-term fits or even short-term either to an extent. Um, but, you know, I mean, it is tough because you want to see, you know, I want to see Kevin Knox shine too, but 
you, you have to be realistic with what they're going to bring. And yeah. I mean, Frank could be back. Absolutely. I wouldn't necessarily bet money on it. I think it would be in a <laughs> I would know, talk 11th or 12th man role. Because I um, want you to have your money. I want you to keep your money. Well, I don't want you to you. throw money in the garbage. So right, please yeah, don't but, bet on Frank <laughs> coming back. I, I guess the other, it all comes down to opportunity, right? Over the summer, if a team like yeah. Toronto says, hey, we'd love to use you as seventh, eighth man defensive Can- specialist. Let's do that. That's better than him being on the bench and earning around the same money of, you know, like two, three million at that point. And, and that's the thing. I, I thought he was going to earn more, but yeah. he was injured and then he didn't play point. And now he's not playing at all. And when he's playing, I get it. It's tough to to go from the bench to, to you know, having to stay ready and then not being able to perform because you don't get the time. But again, you have to stay ready. And if you're not performing, if you're scoring as many points as, as uh, the two of us and everyone listening then in the last, what, like five or six games, then that's a problem. You can't sugarcoat that. No, you can't. Um, over under, you, you get even odds. Um, over under 1.5 seasons worth of guaranteed money Frank gets from somebody this offseason. You're taking the under, right? No, I'm taking the over. I think- you think some team out there gives him two years of guaranteed money? Well, if Chris Dunn can get two years and he didn't even, he hasn't played a single second this entire year. Yeah. But Chris Dunn showed more last season than Frank has shown this season. Opportunity argue, right. opportunity was there. Opportunity I'd argue was Stanley there. Johnson hasn't necessarily shown that much. He got a two-year contract. Did Stanley get two guaranteed? Well, oh, well, if we're talking guaranteed, then. I'm, I'm saying two years guaranteed money. Okay. I think if it's a team option, that's a different story. Like I could see another team. Unless you don't That's count not guaranteed money. All right, then in that case, no, I don't think he would. Okay, so we're in agreement because yeah. I don't think he's getting two years guaranteed from anybody in the league. I think um, you'd get, you know, two-year deal, but the second would be non-guaranteed, as you're saying, yeah. or a team option of sorts. Yeah. All right. Um, some news this week. We'll go through it. Um, I guess we'll start. I don't want to talk. Do we have to talk about this Austin Rivers thing? I just... <laughs> Why don't we make it short and sweet? Please. The whole thing with Austin Rivers... Look, I kind of wondered if there was something maybe going on that was more than meets the eye and the Knicks were doing a great job of kind of hiding it because Austin Rivers stepped aside for a while. And it was also around the time where his child was born. So I thought maybe it has something to do with the kid um, and and hopefully the health of the baby and everything like that. But Which is fine, but... uh, Right, of course. Um, It was more that, that he kind of like made it into something bigger than it was from what we publicly know, right? Basically, it was you didn't perform... You showed up maybe once every Utah game and then you slipped away into oblivion. And also Alec Burks came back. So we didn't really need you, Austin. And it's, it's a weird dichotomy because he, he raves about the Knicks and says nothing but great things. And then of course he gets cut and then he's like, well, you know, stuff went down. It reminded me of Chris Stops when he was saying like the truth will come out eventually. That was exactly like that. That's exactly what it reminded me of. And I was like, okay, that's, that's great, dude you're on another team. So I don't know, just like, just, uh, you could just be happy there, but I get it. The Knicks are in town. So you want to talk about it. It just felt like it, it stoked more flames than it needed to. It could have just been like, Oh wow. Austin rivers torched his, the team that dumped him early in the year. Like that's a fine narrative. It just, I didn't understand why he nest was like, well, I could go there, but I'm not going to, you know, things happen. It's, it's whatever. It's like, all right, that's, that's okay. But you can just, you can focus on the now. That's fine too. I, I just, I don't care. I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure, like, there are some stories that I don't care. Hey. Oh, okay. So I've now been tasked with watching the baby while podcasting. I could do this. Oh, she's I believe you. Okay. Yeah, we could do this. Me and, me and Jeremy got this together. 
Laura, could you pick me something up? Uh, Jeremy wants you to pick him up a uh, diet soda. Yeah. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah. Austin Rivers, uh, go away. Um, <laughs> Luca Vildoza, um, someone I'm much more interested to talk about than, than Austin Rivers. So, um, four-year contract, um, which is uh, deceiving on several levels. One, uh, four, I should say four, four years, 13 million. Uh, one of those years is this year. So it's like, basically this year is the, you're, you're, you're paying the right to um, go ahead of free agency to sign him, I think is probably the, the best way to say it. And you had money to spend and you're spending it this year to not have to um, compete with, um, I again, ostensibly other teams who might want to have signed him this summer. Um, so that's great. Also, um, none of the money is guaranteed other than the year that he's getting right now. Um, the Mark Berman reported that the guarantee date for the following year of his contract, which is next season, um, is on the eve of the first game of next year. Um, which is great because that means they get a lot of a time, a lot of time to watch him in the Olympics, watch him in training camp, watch him in preseason before they have to decide are they guaranteeing um, more more money. Um, and he is not going to be here this year. Tom Thibodeau has all but said that. Um, what I wanted to ask you before I get your well, I want to get your general thoughts, but specifically, I I read it as his like. All three of his years won't be guaranteed. It'll just be next season will be guaranteed if they keep him on the team. Like you, contracts don't work in the NBA where you're you guarantee multiple years at once, right? Right. It's like the Austin Rivers contract, actually. Yeah, it's year by year. Right. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, you. I'm sure you like the move. I love it. Basically, everything I wanted about this move it seems to have right. So uh, for starters. Basically, this one year, yes, it's a way to get the Knicks to get over the cap uh, floor, which they did. Um, It's not prorated. The way that prorated would work is if it's like a veteran minimum contract um, or an exception, that would typically be more prorated. This is not a prorated deal. So he gets Um, the full amount that he's owed this year as opposed to it's a $4 million contract. You played in 25% of the games. You're getting $1 million. This is the full amount. He gets everything. It's as if he would have signed last year. Same amount. Yeah. I was watching something that Bobby Marks did and I haven't seen this elsewhere. So I'd like to see it confirmed in other places, but Bobby was basically saying that this is a descending deal, which is phenomenal. His numbers seemed a little off based on what it was. If it wasn't 13.6 million as was reported, but regardless it's, that seems to be the indication, um, which to me is fantastic because you're using all the cap space that you have right now um, and it's dwindling as time goes on and you're able to create more space for someone bigger. So I loved that move. Um, It's just, it, it fills the need. I'm curious what it does for a player like Alec Burks. I don't know if he'll be back, but that that can be another conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, We we don't have to talk about it right now, but I've been thinking a lot about the Burks versus Bullock thing. And like, is it necessary that both of those guys are back? And it feels like Bullock is starting to be the more integral of the two to return next year. Um, And it felt those, it gives you some of the stuff that Burks did in terms of ball handling, point guard play, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Makes sense. So it's, it's a great signing. I'm really happy with it. I'm excited for Clyde to say Vildozer quite often. Um, (laughs) Vildozer, styling and profile. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Something along those lines. I think he's going to go with the Luca a lot. I think he's just going to go with the first name. He could. Although, Vildozer is such a is such low-hanging fruit. Yeah, but... That the, there's so already I like, a Luca. That's the thing. I, I know, a, but... a better Luca on the Knicks, but... I like, hearing the U, the, the... I could hear him, Clyde, with the U, but I could also hear him with the the O in Vildozer. Both are... I want to hear both. Um... We'll see. We'll, we'll revisit this next season. One more bit of news. Um, I think these two things go together. So Julius Randle um, in the news for two reasons. One, Brian Windhorst came out with a story um, saying, basically detailing the contract situation, which we've talked about already extensively on this podcast, which is that um, if the Knicks re-sign Julius Randle for the most money they can this summer um, with all the incentives in the world, it could go up to $140 million total. That includes next year, which is for 19 point, whatever I think, 19.8. Is that um, more assuming the Knicks make the playoffs. It'll be closer to yeah. like 21.7 yes. or something. Yes. Something um, but the base figure is, is nice. and then it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the bonus for the all-star and, and the playoffs. Um, so it's on top. So it's another tw- uh, 120 on, on top of that. Uh, plus whatever the bonuses are. Versus if he waits to sign an extension in the summer of 2022, without getting into the contractual nuances of this, he could essentially, it's going to be able to sign for about $100 million more. Um, The one bit of news in there was that the Knicks and Julius Randle plan to talk this summer, which I... My first instinct was to be like, ooh, that's a great sign. How exciting. And then I'm like, well... These are this is one big happy family in terms of the pres- team president, the agent, Julius Randall. Like, sure, they'll talk. Doesn't mean fucks worth of anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I mean, and you know why I'm. I, it, okay, so let me let me uh, briefly. I want to mention the other component, which is uh, unrelated on its face, but I think is kind of related. Which is all NBA. They're gonna they change the rules this year or change the rules. They got futzy with the positional designations, so now people are going to be able to essentially put whoever the hell they want on the NBA teams, irrespective of what positions they actually play in the league. Um, exemplified by the fact that now, if people want to vote Joel Embiid as a forward, even though Joel Embiid has spent precisely zero minutes at forward this season, um, and, and Jokic as well, um, people will be able to do that. They're going to be able to put Jason Tatum at guard. They're going to be able to put, um, I'm trying to think, there's a bunch of them. The, how uh, I, I could go, the, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that are worth mentioning explicitly. 
Oh, yeah. All, well, let me read the guys who were available. You could put it guard and forward. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, uh, Chris Middleton, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker. Now, we both think that um, Julius Randle is going to get more votes than a lot of those guys. And I, I don't. I don't think this is going to have too big of an effect unless voters get cute with Embiid. And if voters get cute with Embiid and they put him as a starting forward next to Giannis, um, then I think there's a chance. There's a chance that Randall gets left off. At the very least, I think this greatly increases the odds that he ends up on third team all NBA. Now, before I turn it over to you, why did I bring all this up with the contract stuff? Because I know he's not super max eligible. I know the all NBA does not have any um, black and white bearing on the number that the Knicks can offer him. But if you're an all NBA player, I just, you're a max player. Like that's the, that is the reality of the situation in the NBA today. If you make an all NBA team, you're a max guy. Um, as you should be, because there's not that many NBA guys out there, and there's a lot of guys getting max money. Um, so, I, the long and the short of it is, I'd be surprised if he extended the summer. Um, with the one caveat, I think there's one scenario where he could. But before I say it, I want to. I'll turn it over to you because I've been talking for a while. You're right. Uh, Randall is not super max eligible. He was not drafted by the Knicks and he was not acquired by the Knicks on his rookie contract. So he cannot earn the 35% salary cap uh, max that a lot of people uh, seem to think that he can. It's not possible. The only amount that he can earn if he signed on the dotted line would be like 26 million. That'd be the max. If he waited till 2022, even with the all NBA berth, uh, that would still be like the 30% max threshold. Um you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a max player, no doubt about it. And I was surprised to see how many people were kind of arguing against it, saying like, well, it's one season. Let's see if he continues. I was like, well, what do you think is really going to disappear? Because the the passing and the vision is incredible. Um, his ability to find open guys, especially in the quarter, has been great. Uh, there's obviously things for him to work on for sure, but we're looking at a player who's just absolutely coming into his own. And I think the biggest thing that people have to worry about is the shooting. But then I look at it, it's like, well, there are players who are doing just fine I think he's without real. the ability to hit a, you know, a pull-up jumper at, at a 41 or so percent clip, or at least I, shoot from 41% or so from three, for example. Well, can we just say, yes, there are players who are doing absolutely fine. The shooting that he has displayed this year, that to that level with the step back, with the confidence, with the volume, all of that stuff at this accuracy... I think is the difference between him being a top. He's probably top 15 and 25. I was going to say, I was thinking, do I want to say 10? Do I want to say 12? Do I want to say 15? Whatever. Pick your number and a top 20 to 25 ish player, which there's a big difference between top 15 and top 25 players in the NBA in terms of like where your ceiling is and what, where they all like, but there's the, not a big difference in terms of what they're earning, which is they're all getting max salaries. That's okay. Yeah. That's and that's the thing. That's the thing. Although, uh, although hold on. The ones on the <laughs> bottom end of that are the some of the ones where you're like, man, I really kind of wish I wasn't pay, paying this person max money. Whereas the ones on the higher end of it, you're like, I'm cool. Take right. the money. It's uh, We're good. 
So the big thing here is I, I had it lined up perfectly. I was telling you, John, that this off season, I had like a week or so after the season would end, I had a perfect Randall contract article ready to go. You did. And Windhorse was like, Hey, Jeremy, how about I just fuck up your Thursday completely? He took it and he wiped his, his, his ass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's fine because it actually made the article better, and it'll be out this week. Also, the a, a Vildoza thing coming out. But the whole point is that you know what a max contract is as well is a different conversation because Julius Randle is a max player. We're talking about twenty six million, which is the most he could make right now if he signed on the dotted line. Um, I think people are just getting a little skittish about the thirty four range if he becomes a free agent in twenty twenty two. The big thing, and I, I don't want Andrew's going to kill me because. I, there's a reason why I can't, I, I don't want to say it because it would affect a future piece that I have in mind. Um, but a big thing in terms of the the reason why the Knicks would need to sign Randall this offseason, at least to a, a short extension, is because that's how they can capitalize on 2022, which is when they need to maximize their um, their money as best as possible. The Knicks need to create as much cap space as possible in 2022. That is the summer to go in, which is why the Knicks should say to someone like Randall, like, hey, let's get you on that max contract for that year. Let's give you even a one-year extension. Um, And then from there, they could figure out if they want to make it two years, if they want to include an opt-out or what. Because basically the best way of phrasing it is we'll pay you for two years. You can get whatever star that we can get our hands on to play around you. And then 2024, when you have 10 plus years of experience or 10 years in this case, you can get a 35% max contract and you can get a five-year deal worth a ton of money. I'm talking about a lot of money. Um, And that's basically the selling point where it's like, we can win with you, but we need you for one year to take a, a, you know, you'll get a raise, but it won't be that raise. That won't be the time. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, Randall could wind up making $350 million plus million over a 10-year career with the Knicks from 2024 yeah. to like, you know, 2029 or whatever. So it's like, that's something for him to think about, being able to win and still getting paid. Uh, and that's why I think he should strongly consider it. But we'll see. I would, I guess the, I think there's a possibility he tacks on what two more years with the second year being a player option right to the contract to his contract right now but you're taking a risk with injury if you're Julius Randle that's the big thing yes and there would have Julius to be Randall, some kind of a handshake thing with like the Knicks are going to like like you're going to get the max like we're sure. giving you the max down the line but here's the thing about the injury factor i mean Randle's missed 21 games over 6 years i know so I know. it's not I mean, like an well, Anthony Davis situation. The man also broke his leg his first time. Right, but that is the the that was a freak accident, and he's I know. Shown I know. I'm just. I, I'm. Look. I, I'm. I think. I, I think he. I think there's a possibility, but I would not bet on it. That's I don't know. That's the. That's the thing. I. I kind of would. I kind you would of bet would. on that. Okay, I hope you're right. Well, look, we're talking about right. a player again who can see the long-term earning potential. Yeah, and it's not like he's and he wants to win right too. now either. And he wants to win. He wants he, to win. He wants to win here. This is the I first think, time yeah. he has made the playoffs or will have made the playoffs in his now seven-year career. He's become a household name right now. And why would you leave New York? Because it's basically like, oh, you're telling me that not only can I still get paid and be yeah. the leader in this clubhouse and be here long-term, I can get even more money. And also, you know, if you have success here 
you're going to see endorsements. You're going to see more clout. You're going to have higher cover, earning potential. Cover a slam magazine, the whole There you yeah. go. So, it's, you know, yeah. it's 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 not even I don't want to say it's a sacrifice. It is. It is a sacrifice though. It's, but it's, it's a, a modest risk. One. There is some risk. Of there's course, risk. But, but there's, there's risk, risk in all of it. In every risk in life, yeah. Um okay. We'll see what he does. Um before we just uh, finish up with the um playoff uh, implications and then predictions um Obi Toppin is uh, Julius Randle's backup. Um, we are certainly uh, talking like one way or another. Julius Randle is going to be a Nick for the foreseeable future. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Um, Obi Toppin was drafted to be his replacement. Whether that's ever going to be acknowledged or not, we'll see. Um, it's been a disappointing season, but I would argue that uh, the last handful of games or so, and specifically some um, the moments he had against Phoenix might be his high point of the year. He is now looking like a guy who is, dare I say, helpful on defense. He's certainly not hurting them on defense. Um, he's he's more comfortable on offense. The kinship with Rose is very real. Um, I I am just, um, I, I, I like that we're seeing this because I would hate for the narrative, a narrative tied to this season to be, man, great Nick stuff. You love Rose, Tibbs, Randall, but man, did they fuck up that pick? I would just hate if that was out there. And I feel like with what we're getting from Obi recently, that's, I don't think that that's going to be out there. Um, I think they're going to be able to avoid that by the skin of their teeth. And you know me, I'm a big narratives guy. I think narratives matter. Um, and I think, you know, more importantly, moving forward, um, and look, we don't need to get into specifics now, but like there is a world where, where Obi Toppin and Julius Randle can both be members of the Knicks and both, and it work. And it's not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I think, um, and again, a lot of that's going to have to do with defense. Um, can you, can you stick them out there for whatever, five, eight, 10 minutes a game in a backup five? I just, I'm, I'm, I know regardless of the tough questions that may be in line moving forward, I'm happy that I have to, I get to ask those questions now about Obi Toppin because what we're seeing on the court is really encouraging. So I, I, I shout out to Obi Toppin. Yeah. I think that there will come a point where people will just kind of look at his stats on the whole year and be like, what did Obi Toppin contribute? And it's a shame because when you actually yeah. look at what he's done and watch the games, uh, he's made huge strides. It seems since that Dallas game, I mean, that dunk seemed to set everything off into motion and he's yeah. looked comfortable. And I thought that, you know, end to end that sequence where he was guarding Paul got the block. I mean, even there, you know, I can't remember if it was Kenny Albert or, uh, or Clyde who said like he got the matchup, Paul got the matchup he wanted yeah. up and winds up blocking his shot. Yeah. Paul gets thrown, you know, he makes a miraculous catch because it was, he was overthrown and winds up with the dunk. And to me, if that's not the potential OB top and experience that we are looking for, then I don't know what is necessarily because what he's been able to do, he's just looking comfortable the shot is coming around. He's hitting corner threes now, which was a huge issue for him beforehand. Confidently, so, yeah, confidently putting up corner three pointers. Right. So yeah. that you know, again, it's like it's it's game by game, and the stats won't show it necessarily, but the confidence is going to be there, and I believe in him, and I'm happy that he's he's thriving, or at least in you know in his role, he's thriving. He's not going to be the type of guy right now who can log necessarily 20 minutes. Although we don't know because well, Julius Randall is blocking look, him and there are worse problems to have than Julius Randall blocking Obi Toppin. You're um, 
as I often do, I'll borrow from something Zach Lowe uh, said on, I, I, actually, no, it might've been in a column. I don't know. My, my low content is running together. He was talking about Josh Green. I think it was in his 10 things on Dallas and talking about with young players, you're looking for not necessarily like how many minutes are getting and, and how many points are putting up, but like when the guy gets time, does it look like he knows what he's doing out there? And does it look like he belongs out there? And with Obi top. And I think we could look at the, the minutes he's getting now and we could say, okay, he, he has earned those minutes. These are good minutes um, and he's good in them. So um, good, good stuff from Obi. All right, let's bring it home um, with our uh, assessment of the one thing that um, is probably the first thing on everybody's mind right now, which is playoff positioning. So, um, Oh wow! I just realized the Nets and the the Bucks have moved ahead of the Nets. I didn't realize until I'm yeah. just looking at that. Wow! The okay. Bucks have the tiebreaker thanks to beating the Nets both times. So um, as we are recording this right now, the Knicks are still in fourth. Um, that could that could change by the end of the weekend, of course. Um, but the the other key event that happened on Friday night was the Celtics lost a game to um, the Bulls um, handily, by the way. Um, they lost, ended up losing close to 20. Um, they continue to be paper tigers as they have been all year. Um, that was significant. And I, I, the reason I think it was significant is because for me right now, and and I'll ask you this, Jeremy, and, and then I'll finish up what I'm saying. I think while the goalposts have been moved several times, if the Knicks get in one of the top six seeds, this like, Everybody signed for it. Everybody dance in the streets. Are you st- or are you still like, no, I think it needs to be four or five for this to be really feeling good? I think it needs to be four or five with full admittance that the goalposts have been moved when I say that. It's yeah. the sort of thing where, if again, if we're looking at the long term or at least the, the long scope of everything going on this season, making the top six, fantastic. Love it. Brilliant. I also think that if you finish four or five and you're playing Atlanta, then your odds of winning a playoff series increase dramatically. And that's the thing. If you look, we can say, wow, the Knicks made the playoffs and no one thought they could. Yeah, That's great. I want to be able to say the Knicks made the playoffs and they won a playoff series, or at least were competitive in a playoff series, because I know they can be more competitive against a team like Atlanta, who they've beaten three times in three attempts this year, than having to face the Bucks in the playoffs when healthy, than having to face the Nets, uh, especially if they get James Harden back when having to face the Sixers in the first round, although that is highly unlikely to necessarily happen. So yeah, they're not going to play the Sixers in the first right. round. Well, actually, unless they fall, they'd to have play to fall him, to eight, which, yeah, which yeah. You know, is rough. So, but I, I don't, I don't see that as happening. So that's, see, I, I, see. I think a four or five needs to occur just because the goalposts have been moved at this point. Um, no, here's why I asked the question is I guess because I have less confidence than you that like the top six are a guarantee. And as we sit here right now, again, before the Clippers game. So let's just, I don't want to get into it because I've been writing about it all week. And if anybody's interested, go read the newsletters. Um, But like more or less, if the Knicks win three more games and it doesn't even need to be with the Celtics loss, it doesn't even need to, it's probably not going to need to include that last game against the Celtics. It might need to probably won't. If the Knicks win three more games, they will be a top six seed. That's not 100% yet. Maybe by Monday it will be. I don't think so. But like more or less, if they win three more games, you could feel pretty good about the fact they're going to be a top six seed. 
sitting here right now with five games to go, I, I am, and maybe this is going to sound ridiculous if they go out and, and blow the doors off the Clippers, but like, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, they're definitely getting three more. And because I can't say that, and the possibility in my mind exists realistically that they could fall to seventh and potentially lose a playing game and then lose another playing game and then think about like what the narrative would be then and what are the odds of that happening? I don't know. Are they 10% or are they 15%? That's why for me, if you gave me the if you gave me a dotted line to sign on right now and you say, here, you're the sixth seed, take it or leave it. I am not hesitating. I'm signing the, for the sixth seed. I'm not. I'm pushing my chips all in. God bless you. You're a your youthful. Well, look, why, why should you optimism? Point, right? <laughs> the Knicks have been. No, it's fine. Know, I, I respect it. It's probably, I, most people would probably agree with you. I, I guarantee you most people would agree with you. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm going to be in the minority here, but that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, there are also some interesting matchups in terms of the remaining games that these teams have. So let me, that's what I was going to get to. The, the key thing here is the heat and the uh, Celtics play twice. Um, two in a row starting uh, tomorrow Sunday. And also, um, as I'm going to go uh, run and pick up my uh, daughter for a second, so pause after I, I get done talking. Um, the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks play two consecutive games. Now, you might say the Hawks are a better team than the Wizards. Um, one, the Wizards have been one of the hottest teams in the league for over a month now. And two, uh, the data suggests that it's really hard to win two games in a row against anybody this year. So I'm moving forward, and and again, this factors into why I was saying I think three gets them gets them a top six seed. I think those are most likely going to be splits, where the Celtics take one, the Heat take one, the Hawks take one, the Wizards take one, um, and then, and the last thing I'm gonna say, and I'll turn it over to you, is in terms of this idea that if we get the four or five, it's going to be against the Hawks. Um, I'm not so sure because of this top of the East situation, because guess who Miami plays down the stretch? I know you know it. They play the Bucks and they play the Sixers. And if those teams don't give a shit about those games, um, then where are we at? And I think that the Heat's last game of the season is against somebody not very good. Um, it's against Detroit. There you go. So I think that there is a very real possibility that the Heat um, go 4-1 and one, uh, down the stretch, um, all, all things considered. And again, by the time you're listening to this, that already may be out the window and I may sound like an idiot. Um, although no, I guess not because if the weather win or lose, it's still on the table. Anyway, um, that's where I'm at. I think the best thing that Knicks fans can hope for is that the Celtics and the heat split their two games, as you're saying, because yeah. when you're looking at the standings, the Celtics, if they win one of them, they get home court advantage, uh, which is great for them. Um, but the bigger thing here is that the heat are ahead of the Celtics in the standings. And so we want both those teams to kind of stab at each other so that they kind of bring each other down. And then which the, Hawks ideal. Get the, the Hawks get in the four or five. Yeah. Right. Um, but I agree. I think that Philadelphia could absolutely rest players. Milwaukee, maybe less so because they would love to get home court advantage against the Nets. Um, but who knows? Maybe at a certain the point, Nets it's have clinched by them. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's too early to make any of these calls definitively. The only thing that I will say is that if you're someone who's like me and has more PTSD than Jeremy does, and you just want to get in the top six, you're not rooting for a split with Boston and Miami. You're rooting for um, a sweep. The problem there is that those games are in Boston. And so with the, with um, the heat having the one game lead, um, uh it, it it makes it that much more likely that the team who's going to sleep, sweep will be the Heat. So, 
But what well, I'm saying is you don't want Boston to sweep because of the fact. No, I'm, Boston, I agree with right, you. you. You don't want only, Boston to sweep. But you, if you, Boston if you like just, two games back and then you don't yeah. want Boston to have to play I, with some fire that yes. last game of the season. I completely, but I'm saying if you're just want a top six seed, you would want the heat to sweep because of yes. the heat sweep, then it becomes almost impossible to envision a scenario where the Knicks aren't getting in, in the top six. Yes. If you are scared of the past, then that is exactly okay. what you would just, want. Just call me names. It's fine. It's just, it's okay. If you're like John and you're just terrified of the what ifs, then that's the case. Listen, I'm a dad now, a, a dad two times over. It's my, it's in my, it, you see this when you become a father, um, you get, you, you get very risk averse. There you go. You get very risk averse. Well, I'm naturally risk averse and yet I'm all in on this. So I, can I just say one other thing? Yes. Um, the, 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 um, scenario that I outlined before where the Knicks fall to seventh and lose two playing games and they're out. Um, I mean, I guess unless they got, uh, what would be a 2.5% chance to move into the top four of the lottery, which crazy shit has happened. But anyway, um, assuming that they lost and they didn't move into the top four of the lottery, like how depressing that would be in terms of an end of the season. I almost think a close second would be if they played the Hawks in the four or five and they got, beat like in five games or something because people would go into that series being like, Oh, it's the Hawks. We'll beat the Hawks. It's the fucking Hawks. I have, um, I don't know. I know we've beaten them three times this, this year. I have a lot of respect for that Hawks team. I don't think that series would be a, a cakewalk at all, but again, this is yeah. negative, negative Nancy John talking here. So what the fuck do I know? I no, I think there's a difference between a Lloyd Pierce led Hawks team and a Nate McMillan led Hawks team. And we saw the Nate McMillan team. It's unquestionably better. So yes, it is. It's not like yeah, it's not a walk in the park. It's no, it's they're it's, a good team. There's a reason why they're in fifth place. It's not just because the East sucks. It's not just because of COVID. They are legitimately talented. So. Yeah, and and look, not to be that guy, but um, I guess I'm going to be that guy. Trey Young went out injured in that last game. Um, if he plays the whole rest of the game, do the Knicks win? Maybe they do, but um, yeah, it's it's a thing that happened. So okay, um, we wait. Do we already? Do we already make our predictions for this? We did no, not. We, no. Okay. So I, I won. You did. Okay. I lost after the first two games. Oh yeah. Because you said one and three. Well, cause yeah, you said two and two. I did. Okay. So this is a moment of truth. It's the moment of truth. Oh, goodness gracious. So we should predict the games and the seed. Sure. So the final five games are, Sunday at the Clippers, Tuesday at the Lakers, Thursday at the uh, against the Spurs at home. Yeah. Saturday uh, against the Hornets at home, and then Sunday to finish the season out against the Celtics at Madison Square Garden. I think they find a. I, I think they find a way to win three games, and I think they find a way to win three games. And I think. Hold on. Uh, God, I hate this. Hate this. Um, if the Heat go four and one, they finish. I guess I have to. Fuck. All right, they win. They win three games and they get the five seed. All right. Um. So three and two would have fit perfectly with the 14 games remaining that we would have had down the stretch. 
So uh, for what I predicted, which I believe was nine and five, and I think you picked eight and six, right? Sure. Yeah. Something along those lines. Um, I'm going to go with four and one since you took three and two. I think that after a close Clippers loss, the Knicks find a way to beat the Lakers and then wow. win the rest of the three. Well, I'm not going to pick two and three. I don't okay. I choose not to. And if they're going to go four and one, then they're going to be fourth seed. So okay. I'll stand by that. This is, this is, um, I hope you're right. Um, just think the next time we record a podcast together, the season will be over. The regular season will be over. Obviously they, they will, they will, they will be playing another game. Um, wow. What a journey it's been. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll reflect on it. I'm sure some more next week, but for right now, anything else from you, Jeremy, before we get out of here? A uh, couple things. Yes. Uh, number one, last week we had talked to, or at least I had talked about Frankie Lakina's qualifying offer being 8 million. Uh, someone was kind enough to Frank, remind me on Twitter that no because he didn't criteria. hit starters criteria, it would be around five. At the end of the day, it's really not going to matter because the Knicks likely aren't going to extend a qualifying offer to him anyway. But uh, I just want to point that out because I hate the idea of misinformation out there. So uh, take that as you will. Um, I've got two pieces out. This week, I believe, for the Strickland, one on Julius Randle, one on Luca Vildoza and how their contracts will affect things. Um, and then looking at Producer's Corner, since Andrew cannot be with us because he... Oh, don't, uh, do, don't do Producer's Corner. Don't do Producer's Corner. Don't, don't do Producer's Corner. Uh, Is there yeah. a particular reason why you don't Just want me to do it? Everybody get vaccinated. That's all we want to say. Uh, I think there's and, a reason why you don't want me shout to, out to Andrew. Shout corner. out to Andrew Claudio. He's not, again, uh, he's not chiming in because he got vaccinated and he's under the weather. Everybody get vaccinated. Um, there's, there's a significant day that is coming up that John does not not want us to talk about. No. Um, I just, no. Happy mother's day again. You want to say hi? No. You don't? Hi everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. Um, thank you, Jeremy. Um, John. (laughs) thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the Knicks film school podcast. Uh, don't forget to, uh, check out your podcast feed and your, um, you're, if you're on YouTube, uh, that for the live stream uh, after the uh, Clippers game, unless you're listening to this after the Clippers game, in which case, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Just, you know what, here, constantly update your podcast stream for new episodes of the Knicks Film School podcast. Go check out the Knicks Film School YouTube channel um, because there's tons of great stuff on there. Read Jeremy's stuff on the Strickland. Read all of the stuff on the Strickland. There's a great Jack Huntley piece this, this week about uh, Pablo Prigioni and Luca Vildozo. There's a ton of other stuff on there I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting. Um, and then uh, don't forget to check out um, our merch store, which yes. you could see if you're watching on YouTube in the background of, uh, of like Jeremy's <laughs> There's a, a, a New York We Here um, uh, canvas that that he got made, and that you can get that on a T-shirt. You can get that on um, all kinds of different things. So, uh, and you could find the um, link to the merchandise store um, anywhere you find our content. You're going to be my Twitter, Jeremy's Twitter, you know, all all of that stuff. Uh, YouTube. Thank you for listening to another episode. Um, we'll talk to you soon, and of course, let's go next.